Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan's Faith. He's one of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we take some of the most interesting people and events in the Old Testament, we talk about it, and connect it to the New Testament. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you have the bell turned on and you're subscribed so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on you on Facebook, make sure you like and you share. That really helps us out. If you're interested in supporting this ministry or this ministry has been a blessing to you, hey, make sure to share it. And if, and if you're interested in partnering with us, go over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. There's a <coughs> donate button there at the top of the screen. It's going to take you over to PayPal and get you all set up. We really appreciate any donation that's given. And of course, it is a partnering with us in this work. We have a lot of ministries teaching the gospel to a lot of people. It's it's really oh, awesome. Yeah, we got all kinds of things we're involved in. Eastern Europe, uh, yes. Mexico, uh, things we're doing here with the homeless. You know, we've got all kinds of stuff. And, and hey, if other, you want to... And, and even some classes that are coming down the pipe, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Family-type classes were... Yes. You know, and and parenthood-type classes that we got yes. in the works. So if, if you want to learn more about what the other stuff that we're doing here, some of the other ministries that we're involved in, hey, please send us a message on Facebook. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, I think and we have somebody now that's uh, that's monitoring Facebook more. <laughs> more <laughs> yes, right? yes, we, we got, do, and she's doing a great job. She's we doing got a great we job. got a new team member on board. That's right, and it's yeah. great. It's it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter forty three mm-hmm. uh, this evening, and I think that's been it. Why don't we get? Why don't that's we pray? Great. We'll start. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study this evening. We thank you, Father, for our audience and those who will, who will watch over the, over the coming days and weeks and and uh, and and join with us, Father. We we're so grateful. Uh, we pray, Father, that you'd help us as we navigate through this and as we try to understand uh, the dynamic of of the personalities that were going on and the dynamic of the situations and how it affects us. Is there anything that we can learn so that we can grow and be better? We want to be the very best we can be, Father, and we uh, and we thank you for the Old Testament where. We, all, we know that it's always pointing us toward your son, and we thank you for that. Help us as we look for him. Help us to find find the things that we need to find so that we can be more committed to him when he shows up in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we looked at Genesis 42, mm-hmm. and, you know, Genesis, it's, it's real obvious, I think, in Genesis 42, or at least it, it became pretty apparent that Joseph was doing these things not out of, sense of, out of a sense of revenge, but out of a sense of how how do I accomplish God's work in this, mm-hmm. right? He remembered his dreams, and that kind of dictated what he started to do. Yeah, uh, and to, it was it was a uh, you know there was a lot of things that went on that could have dis, that could have turned him. You know, I mean, uh, problems happen in everybody's life, but there was a lot of problems happening in this kid's life, and and he still has a good attitude, and uh, and and he's and he's showing it, and he'll show it even more as we get as they as his brothers are revealed as he reveals himself to his brothers. We'll see it even more. So. Well, and it's it's incredibly difficult to stay on mission, to stay on task when you've got all of these distractions. Yeah, it really is. You know, getting thrown in prison and then all of a sudden now you're elevated and then the people who are responsible for your slavery and your imprisonment <laughs> all of a sudden show up at your doorstep. You know, it's it's easy to immediately forget that God has a mission, God has a plan. And, and it's a good things. learning thing for us to watch Joseph because all of us go through stuff. We all we all have those issues in our lives that we go through that are that are uh, have the potential to uh, to turn us away from God. You know, and let, and let me ask you, does it does it ever make sense to just bury our head in the sand in the face of problems? I, I don't I don't think it ever makes sense, but that's what we do. We do that a lot. You know, we uh, I think I think burying our head in the sand is is a defense mechanism. You know, I just if I don't deal with it, 
it, it will go away. No, it won't go away. It gets worse. And, you, and we have to try to navigate what's going on here. Well, and how do we, and, you know, it's, and we've, we've looked at this before, this tension, this kind of struggle before with, you know, the text says, especially in the Psalms, you see this a lot, you know, be still for I am God. And then how do we equate that with dealing with something in wisdom and dealing something in faith? How do we, how do we be still understanding and giving it over to God, but at the same time, act wisely? I don't necessarily mean thing being still means I don't do anything. Okay. I don't think that's what it means. I think, I think it's a calmness. I have a calmness in me that I know that God's in charge. I know that God's going to show up, but there's things to do. I can't because, because something bad happens in my life. I, I don't, I don't get the opportunity just to, to, to crawl in a hole or crawl in a corner and shrivel up and just wait for God to show up. That's not being still. That's not being calm. Being calm is I, I've got, I know that this has happened in my life. I know that this is going on in my life. I know it's a bad thing that's going on. You know, whatever it may be, doctor's visit didn't go well or job didn't go, whatever it is. And, but I, I can't bow out of life. I've got to stay involved because God tells me to. I have a responsibility. I have a job to do. If mm. I don't like where the way life is going, well, okay, just wait a little while. It can get better or it'll get worse. I still have to trust that God knows what he's doing. That's what he means to be still. Be calm. I got this. And, you know, I told you a text the other day uh, when you and I were talking on the phone in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, man, look at the birds. Look at the, look at the flowers. I take care of all of that. Right. And he said, and he said, I'm going to take care of you. You are way more important. You guys, you're way more important. You may not have a relationship with God at this point, but God sees you way more important than the birds. And he takes care of how many, how many birds does he not feed? You know, I mean, hummingbirds will find a way. They'll fly for hundreds of miles to find where they need to eat. But he always provides for them. And, uh, and he's got, uh, he got the flowers. I mean, they grow up and, man, just, you know, a gopher got some of Georgia's really pretty flowers in her backyard. Uh -huh. And she said, what happened to my flowers? Well, I thought the cat's done it. But the, but she, the gopher, so she stuck them in a, in a, in a cup. Which I said, you think they're going to grow? And she said, I don't know. I don't know if they will or not. She said, we're going to try it. See if I can replant them, re-sprout them. And, you know, God has a way of doing that kind of stuff. God can re-sprout us and make us amazing again. And, uh, you know, and it just, it's just, uh, 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 we get, we get so caught up in the, in the, in the idea of the moment and we get all freaked out and get all frustrated. And Jesus said in Luke 12, he said, he said, he said, who by any of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And he said, if you can't do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Well, to God, adding an hour to my life is a, is a little thing. Not to me, it's not. You know, I mean, have, have you ever lost someone in your life really close to you? Um, no. I have. Adding an hour to their life would have been huge. In fact, I asked a police officer, can you bring him back to life? I need, I got, I need five minutes. I didn't want an hour, I want five minutes. Give me five minutes. I just need to, to tell him something for five minutes. He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Spade, I can't do that. I said, I know that. You know, but but uh, gee, if God can, then why am I freaked out over all this stuff? 
Mm-hmm. Why did I let it bother me so much? So being still, right? Obviously, it's not 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 good in the face of problems to bury your head in the sand. That's not what God wants us to do. And being still isn't about inaction so much as it's no. about trusting that God Absolutely. is going to do what he that's needs what, to do. That's what we learned last, last week by so Joseph. Then where do I find what I should do in the face of problems? And obviously, I need to trust in God. But how do I, where do I learn to walk wisely? Where do I learn to... Psalm 1. Okay. Righteous man meditates on the law day and night. Doesn't mm. sit in the council of wicked. Doesn't sit in the council of the wicked. Doesn't listen to, he doesn't listen to nonsense. Okay. You know, I want to read it to you. It's just a short psalm and, and it's not, uh, it's not real long. And I think it's applicable to our, to our thing tonight because here we have a guy, Joseph, and we, and we worked on this and worked on it last week. How did we not navigate? This is what he did. This is what he's doing. Yeah, he's burying his head in the sand. Huh? Jacob is burying his head. I'm talking about Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Joseph's not burying his head in the sand. Joseph is moving forward and letting God work. Uh, Look at this. Look at this. Listen to this text. He said, Blessed is the man who does not step, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that, uh, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, by the, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, you want to know how you keep from burying your head in the sand? Don't sit in the, don't stand in the way of evil people. Don't listen to what their counsel is. And you, and you stay, meditate on God's word. And you listen to people that, that, are, that are trustworthy and honest and true and people that you can look at. It's what I told you that day. I said, you got to get back in the saddle as soon as possible. Yeah. You cannot stand on the sideline, curl up in a ball because you'll never be able to teach. How do I, how do I have faith in the midst of crisis if that's what they see you do? You have yep. got to move forward. And that's what Joseph does. Joseph moves forward. Joseph has one crisis after another. What does he do? He keeps moving forward, keeps going. And we go back to Jacob. Yep. And we see that that's not what he does. And we just had this conversation before we started. That's right. And I said, please help me. I don't understand this guy. Let's get into 43 because we're going to see this dynamic. We've seen what Joseph has done in the midst of very difficult trial, in the midst of very what? difficult heartache. He has focused in on what God's mission is, and yeah. he's moving forward. Yeah. What does Jacob do? Well, we saw it last week at the end of the chapter, just the last verse. But Jacob said, my son will not go down there because they want, you know, Joseph has said, you're bringing your youngest brother or you're not getting Simeon back. And he said, he said, down with you, my brother is, his brother is dead and he is the only one left. Wait a minute. There's nine guys standing in front of him and they're, and they're listening to him say, he's the only one left. He's the only one of Rachel's sons. That gives you an insight into what's coming now. Let's get into 43. So Genesis chapter 43, verse one. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. So... Once, once they run out of food, now Jacob goes, all right, go, to, go back down there and get us more food. Well, now I asked you food. before we started, what will happen about Simeon? You said he don't care about Simeon. Nope. He only cares about Benjamin, and the dictate from Joseph was you bring him de- or don't come back. That's right. And if you come back without him, you're all going to jail. And that's what Judah says in verse 3. Judah says, makes, makes it very clear, you know, hey— Jacob, remember what Joseph, what what the man in Egypt said. They don't always Joseph yet, right? So remember what the dad, remember what the man in Egypt said. He's, you know, we told him, 
And he said, if we don't bring Benjamin back, so if you want us to go get your food, we're going to need to bring Benjamin back. And verse six, look at what, now this is interesting. The text changes here, right? Mm -hmm. Their father, let's see, in verse now 38. called Israel. Right, and that's what's yeah. a point out. In verse 38, okay, of chapter 42, so just right above 43, it says, but Jacob said, my son will not got, go down there. His brother is dead, right? Mm -hmm. And then come all the way down here. And in verse 6 of 43, now it's Israel. Why does it do that? I don't know. What does Israel mean? It means struggles with God. God's working his plan out here, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. I never saw that before. You're right. It's it. You know, Israel means that he struggles with God. He got that name when he struggled with an angel and got, got smote on the hip, remember? And that's the name he had. This is a tip-off. What he, what God is doing through Joseph, he's trying to save not only this family, but the whole world. Because Christ is coming through this line. Mm -hmm. He's got to save this line. And God has decided he's going to do that through Egypt and through Joseph. Here Jacob is. Now he's Israel all of a sudden in the text. It's a literary device to make us go, wait a minute, Israel. So if, if you were reading this in the Hebrew, then you'd be like, he who struggles with God asked why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? <laughs> Church, it's so easy when trial and tribulation and stress and all of these things come, it's so easy to do what Israel is doing here, to do what Jacob does here, to struggle and fight. I don't know. I can't tell you why you go through the things you go through, but James tells us very clearly, consider it pure joy probably one of the most difficult commands in the bible mm -hmm. to consider it joy when you go through struggle and trial because that's not what i want to do i want to run away from it i want to run away from it i don't want to i don't want to deal put with my it. head in the sand i want to put my head in the sand you know jacob could have done a lot of things here there's been a lot of time you know um judah's gonna say I'm not sure. Let me see if he says it already. If you send, you should go down. You, Judah's going to point out that they could have gone back and forth twice already in this chapter. He's going to point that out to Jacob. Mm -hmm. Okay. In all of that time, doesn't Israel know who is watching over him and his family? Doesn't he remember he know. the promises that God has spoken to him? Church, when struggle comes, when trial comes, we cannot forget what God has spoken. And Luke chapter 12 is an excellent point. He's watching over all these things. He's watching over all these things. And if you can't add but an hour to your life, which is a little thing, why are you worried? You know, we go to Philippians a lot and it says, be anxious for nothing. You know, we forget that just in a couple of, a couple of chapters above that, Paul praises Timothy because Timothy is the only person who will show concern for the well-being of the church. That word concern and that, that word where he says, be anxious for nothing, it's the same word. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same word. The only difference is some guy with some doctorate decided, well, he really means anxiety over here and concern over here. That, that's, it's, a, it's the same word. It's not a question of, well, this word means something different than this word. What, it, what it's about is, what is your concern and anxiousness about? Is it about the things of God? The things that God is anxious and concerned about, like Timothy in chapter 2 of Philippians? Or are you worried about things of the world in Philippians 4? Are you allowing the world to rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy, rob you of the things that God has given you because you forget what God has promised and what he has said? It doesn't mean we're going to be delivered. In out. Think about it. Joseph went and sat in prison. He's been sitting in prison 
for years and years and years and years. He's been, he was enslaved for years and years. All of those things. He sat through all those things and God was with him through every second of every day in church. You know, if you've been baptized into Christ, his spirit dwells within you. Just like Joseph, he is with us. He is with us in the pit and he is with us when everything is swimming in on a high. He is always with us. So when the trial comes, do we like Joseph? Focus in on what God is doing? Focus in on his word? Do we, like James encourages us, consider it pure joy? Or are we going to be like Israel here? Struggling and kicking against whatever God is doing, forgetting what God has said. Peace, church. It's a difficult thing. Yep. It's a difficult thing. So Israel, he who struggles with God, asked in verse 6 of chapter 43, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? Yeah, that was the solution. Y'all should have just lied. <laughs> What's wrong with y'all? And of course, you know, Judah, well, it says they. So this is not just a conversation between Israel and They're Judah. They're all talking here. They're yep. all talking here. And why would they be doing that? Because their families are starving. Their families are starving. You know, it's not just Jacob and his sons. They've got children at this point. Judah has had children through Tamar. His own. I mean, that is a whole messed up situation. Yeah. But these people have wives and kids of their own, you know? So it's a family meeting, and they replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, Bring your brother down here? Exactly. Yeah. But how easy is it in the midst of struggle and chaos and all of these things to start, start pointing your finger? Start, oh, that's what we do, though. It's easy. That's what we do. We point our finger at everybody and say, it's your fault. Instead of listening and trying to figure out what's going on in that situation, we're pointing a finger to try to <laughs> save our own bacon. We do that in marriages all the time. We do it. Church, the world is fallen. The world is fallen. We can't forget that. The world has fallen. This isn't the paradise that God intended it to be. No. We're not living in the garden anymore. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about getting back to the garden. It's and chaotic. God getting, it's chaotic. It's and chaotic. what happens in chaos? bad stuff mm. every step of the way bad stuff happens it's not god's fault that it's happened and it's not even necessarily our our fault i go back to the gospels you know look at john look at john chapter 9 with the blind man the the apostles questions in john chapter 9 is who sinned the man or his parents this guy had been blind from birth mm. and jesus looks at him and says neither he's been blind so that god may be glorified think, yeah, of, I, think about that I, I for taught, a second i taught a class in fact i preached a sermon one time do you think God still does that today? That he's got people in horrible situations it it for a reason. You know, yeah. you think about mental health for a second. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of people that struggle with mental health. A lot of people. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? You know, we. so maybe so they have to deny themselves and depend on him. You know, I, may, maybe. Maybe it has know. something to do with I, that. I have no idea. But if God can make somebody blind from birth and the expectation here is that God is going to be glorified through it, I think we can have struggles with mental health too, and got the expectation and, be that God be glorified. Go, and then if you it. go to chapter eleven of John, it talks about Lazarus being dead. Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, left him dead. That's right. Left his sisters groveling and, and worried and flapping and, in the wind. And he and he said he said, "Oh, this was this was done to glorify God. We, we'll let this guy die and let you let you spin in the wind so God could be glorified." Church Israel <laughs> is failing yep. the test here. Yeah. This is a test and he's failing it. Thank God. Thank God. Our salvation is wrapped is not wrapped up in us passing the test. It's yeah. wrapped up in yeah. Christ passing yeah. the test. Absolutely right. Because Absolutely. all of humanity, church, and myself and Dan and, and all of you watching, we will all fail the test. 
The day that it comes <coughs> that we are supposed to stand on the word of God, we are going to fail. But thank God we have Christ who has passed this test, who has stood on his word and has gone on and covered us in his blood. It's an amazing thing. I look at Israel here and I'm not I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not blaming because I, I very clearly see myself. There have been times in my life where I have failed to remember, failed to remember the promises of God, the promises of God. And so maybe you can look back at times in your life where you have failed the test. Repent. Don't don't live in that. Repent and get back into the book. Or go to the brother that you've got a problem with and just say, man, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Absolutely. You know, you know that, that, you know, I, I, I listened to some nonsense or I listened to the, my own heart. My own heart lied to me. And, and now I've got a problem in a, in a, in a relationship with my, with my wife or my husband or whatever. You know, I got to remember that God's in charge. It's not in man to direct his steps. The heart of the, the, the heart of man is deceitful above all else and is desperately <coughs> wicked who can understand it. Church, our heart is going to try to do this exact thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to lie to us every step of the way. Well, I shouldn't have to deal with this hardship. What do you mean you shouldn't have to deal with this hardship? You live in chaos. Mm-hmm. I live in chaos. We all live in chaos. Mm-hmm. Look around at the world today. I don't care what year it is. I'm not going to make any reference to date this video, but look around at the world today and it's chaos. And if you're watching this 10 years down the road, I guarantee you it's still chaos. Yeah. It's never not going to be chaos until Christ comes. It always comes. has been. And it always has because been. of sin. Sin That's brought right. chaos. That's right. It, anytime it, there's a there's a conflict with God between us and God, mankind and God, it's chaos. That's right. And man, and man brought that on himself. God gave him a choice, and he chose the wrong path. That's what happened. When God chose it, he brought the right path because he's decided, okay, his choice is going to bring Jesus. That's right. And that's what we're looking to get to. That's where we're going. All right. So in verse seven, they replied, you know, oh yeah, we've said that. So verse eight, then Judah said, Israel is father. You know, it's interesting. Reuben made this appeal last chapter and mm-hmm. now Judah's going to do it. He's, you know, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. Reuben has already made this appeal yeah. and, and Jacob wasn't hearing it. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life as, as it is, excuse me, if we had not delayed, there it is. We could have gone and returned twice. That's where it is right there, verse 10. And so, you know, Judah's going to make the same appeal that Reuben made. I don't think for one second that Jacob holds Judah in higher esteem than Reuben. And I, I don't want to make that really clear. I don't I don't think that. Um, notice again the name, then their father Israel. So we're still looking at this struggling with God dynamic. Israel, J- Jacob is struggling with this greatly, this whole situation. And so all of these people are making this appeal to him. And he says to them, if it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags. Take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Wait a minute. What? I thought this, I thought, what's going on here? I thought this was a famine. I thought they didn't have anything. Now, uh, you know, all right, fine. Just take the best products of the land. What products of the land? It's a famine. <laughs> what is going on? I never even caught that before. <laughs> what you know, take a little balm, a little honey, some spices, and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Completely all bad. I mean, I mean, I don't know. May, look, maybe you're a farmer out there. Maybe this stuff keeps a long time. Maybe there's ways to keep it. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe there, they've got there, it. There is the the honey. Honey will last, last, and last, and last. Okay. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's interesting. You know, now, now, honey, as far as I know, you know, there has to be some way for the bees to get you know to 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 get the nectar and stuff that they use to to make the honey. Well, if there's no flowers, but you remember, I mean, they, they live in the land of Canaan, right? 
Yes. It's where they're living. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it's a, it's a, they've got water and they've got, so they can probably irrigate some. And so they couldn't irrigate whole farms, but they maybe they have enough to, to be, to sustain them. I live on an acre of land. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it got really, really bad, I could survive on that acre of land. My son lives on three acres. My other son just bought an acre plot. We could live on the land that we, that we own uh, by planting and harvesting and we, if we had water, we could, we could, we could feed our family. Sure. For a long time, you know, permanently we have to. Well, and so, but it, so this stuff can be preserved. Yes, you can. Because this nuts, is a seven-year you know, nuts, famine. Nuts, you can, you can preserve them. Okay. You know, you can, you can, uh, you can roast them and, and preserve them. There's ways to preserve that stuff. I don't know all that stuff, but I know that there are people in, in our in our culture today that know how to do that. Sure. You okay. Know? So. So you can preserve them for a while. All right. And so you're still growing stuff. I mean, a, an almond tree is still going to be growing. You know, I mean, just because of famine don't mean everything's dead. Oh, okay. okay. That's a good thing. Okay. I mean, I mean, you can still water some stuff and not uh, not have it all dead. I mean, I mean, I probably it probably is a lot of it's gone. But if you have some trees around the house or something, you water them. And, you know, if you've got water and if there's no, uh, if the famine means there was no rain, then it gets that, you know. Then so it there's, gets, a, there's a famine in the land, but that doesn't necessarily mean... You know, there's it's everything is dead. It's not the average guy is going to starve to death. Right. Okay. In our culture today. Oh yeah. yeah the av- you're going to starve to death unless you got somebody like me or somebody like John L or somebody uh-huh. that can they can help you. That's why that's why we're good friends. <laughs> you're going to starve. You'll you'll starve to death because because you know yeah you know, I've got I've got in my in my supply I've got a, a pack a, a thing that I bought. That's a, a supply of seeds that's good for twenty five years. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So I've got I've got a hundred different kinds of seeds that I can plant stuff, and it's good for twenty five years. Right. Right. So you know, I mean, I've got I've got seeds. All I got to sure. do is put them in the ground, and start planting them, and, and their stuff starts growing. And I can plant all kinds of stuff. And so you can really do a lot with with a, a few things anyway. Sure. So, but all right. So. So that's it. So take some of the stuff that we have left over, some of the stuff that we've preserved possibly, or maybe even some of the stuff that's been that's that's still that's still available, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sack. Perhaps it was a mistake. You know, yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe this was just this was an accident somehow, right? Take your brother also, and I think that's the the tipping point. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once and look at this, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So maybe here at the end, Israel, it looks like he gives in. Well, you know, at some point you have no other option. Okay? Yeah, Jonah learned that the hard way. Well, but we do it too. Oh, sure. At some point we have no other. At what point over this past weekend did you figure out you know, this is getting out of gets get out of my control. Pretty early on, yeah, pretty quick, yeah. This is out pretty of my quick. control. I, I there, there are forces at play here that I am not equipped to deal with. Yes. And and where did you go? Where it was the only place you had left to go? I, I have mean, to go. I have to go back to God. Yeah. Now we forget sometimes to go to God at the beginning, and we'll try all this stuff, and what happens? Yeah. It always gets back to the same place. If I'm bereaved, then I'm bereaved. You know, if I die, I die. You know, if if uh, if my grandson is gone or my my wife is is sick or whatever is going on, I have I'm I've, I've okay, God, I've got it. Now I'm going to start to tr- now I'm going to calm down. 
Now I'm going to be still and trust. But we all go through that. That you know, you got two little girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little girls ever get hurt? They ever yeah. hurt themselves, scratch their knee up or something? Yeah. You know, you hear them screaming out in the backyard, ah, and screaming, and they got a skin up knee. You know, and they're and they're you know they're blowing on it and they're, they're and they're hopping around and you know because they don't want to come in because they they're afraid they're gonna have to come in and they can't play anymore so they so and finally mom or daddy comes out, God swoops down, and they say, okay. I've done everything I can do. I've hopped around, blowed on it, put some water on it. That made it worse. It stung like crazy then, you know. And so here comes here comes the 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 power that be and doctors it up, puts a little stuff on it, puts a bandaid on it. Everything's good. Yeah. Calm down. Everything's good. Let the power that be take over and take charge. We're just like that little girl. Got a skin up knee. We're jumping around, hollering, screaming. You know, you know, acting like a fool. And all we got to do is knock on the door and say, hey, Father, I need your help. Yep. And he said, got this. Put a patch on it. Got it. Everything okay now? Go back and play. You'll be all right. You know, I got this. You know, and then and then now mom or daddy knows I need to check it in about an hour. You don't know that. You're going to play. Then about an hour, that Band-Aid's all curled up and dirt all in there. And I'm going to have to go clean that thing because it will get infected. I'm going to have to go clean it and make sure. And so God swoops back down, doctors it up, go play, swoops that down, doctors it up. You know, we're just like that little kid. Can't do nothing on our own. All yeah. we want to do is play. So, you know, and, and here here he is. He's finally said, you know what, God, I, I can't I can't do this. You know, go take care of this. All right. So in verse 15, so the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The men did as Joseph told them and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. Um... Yeah, probably because that's what they would have done. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think of Simeon and Levi, you know, and what did they do, you know, when they were wronged? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have you ever heard that, 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 uh, I don't remember if it's a saying or what, but, I've, you know, you've heard that thing, you know, the thief always thinks everyone's trying to steal from him mm-hmm. type, type mentality. Um, I think you, you see that here. That's what these well, guys, I mean, that's I mean, what these guys like, do. It's a, you know, you get into, into, uh, uh, things are illegal, illegal stuff. Paranoia is a thing that comes with that. Sure, it just did what it is. You know, you see, you see the, you see the the guy around every corner. You know, paranoia is part of it, and that you, you know, I'm, I'm paranoid because well, that's you know, I'm not doing the right thing, and I, this is what I'd be doing, and you know, you know, and I see the wrong everywhere. Right. Yeah. And so you know, hey, hey that, that's what these guys they they know exactly what they be doing. So. So, you know, they so now they're now they're like, oh no, he's gonna he's gonna capture us, he's gonna take our stuff, he's gonna enslave us because of the silver. So they went up to Joseph Stewart and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, the steward said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. And then he brought Simeon out to them. It was very interesting 
This is this is a statement from the steward. This isn't mm-hmm. this isn't Joseph. Mm-hmm. This is the steward saying this. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. What is what is Joseph teaching his people? Yeah. I mean, that he's, this guy's an Egyptian. What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. He's talking about the God of your people, your God, the God of your father has given you. What is he? What is Joseph teaching these people? He's teaching them the truth. You know, so I, mean, I, I got a note here that I got a cir- this circle that got a note here back to verse 28 and verse, chapter 42. And they said, remember, they said, what has God done to us? Yeah. Remember yeah. that? That's right. Yeah. And I got a note back there. that said, well, yeah, here's what God's done for you. Here, here's this man who's not part of the covenant, who has never, as, as far as we know, has not been communicated the promises that this God has made to this family. Right. Mm-hmm. It has no history. And here he is saying, yeah, yeah, don't be afraid. Your God's taking care of you. <laughs> That's interesting. I think Joseph is is doing a lot more than just saving Egypt. Oh, of course. Just, just saving, just oh. disseminating grain. Well, you know, I mean, people drive by this building every every day. Mm-hmm. All right? This is just a building. The people in this building, the people in this building are the church. That's right. And they're out there every day doing things like this, teaching people, letting people see their lives and walking the walk and talking the talk. Not all of them. But a great majority of them are doing, are living. You know, I just got my phone was vibrating, and it's one of our sisters calling me, trying to get a hold of me. You know, it's got something that needs to talk about. Well, you know, this is a godly woman that that that's going to talk to me, and that I'm going to talk to in about 15 minutes. You know, a godly woman that I need to that I need to find out what's going on with her. And uh, you know, but she's uh, she's tried with everything she has to raise a godly family. You know, that's what that's what. That's what Joseph is doing. Exactly what we do. That's what the here. people of God do. That's what the people. The people of if God. If you're watching us, you don't have a place like this. That's what we do. That's right. Well, and the people of that's what the people of God are supposed to be in the culture. You know, he looked at in the in the Old Testament. We'll look at it. He wanted Israel to be a lamp unto the nations. That's exactly right. This is what it meant. Exactly. And Jesus looks at us on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, "You're the salt and the light of the earth. Yeah. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be the salt and the light of the earth." Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility to live out churches and about showing up on Sunday or showing up on Wednesday. Those are good things. Mm-hmm. The church gathers on those days. We do, we gather on those days and we do teachings and we do encouragement. We do all that stuff. And of course, we praise and give praises and thanksgiving to God. All of that is very good. All of that glorifies God. But we're supposed to be the church every day of the week. But, you know, like you said before, the, that time, especially on Sunday, it's like an uplifting time for oh, us absolutely. To, to get us charged don't up. Hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's incredibly important, mm-hmm. but it's not the end all be all of church. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 makes it very clear. Our spiritual worship for God is in our walk, yeah. in our daily walk. This There's is a, a fragrant yeah. offering yeah. before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at, eventually we're going to get into Leviticus and look at some of those fragrant offerings and, yeah. and see where that language comes from and where it stems from. But it's it's incredibly important, like Joseph here. I mean, Joseph, this steward, they didn't, he, Joseph, he, this steward didn't go ask Joseph, hey, what am I supposed to tell these guys? They're concerned about that money. He knew the answer. Yeah. He knew. Yeah. Well, where do you know, where do you learn it from? You learn it from Joseph. Learn it from Joseph. So verse 26, um, verse 24, the steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, you know, just going back to that a second, how, how, how relieved do you think these guys are? Oh, tremendously. When the steward says what he says. Yeah, tremendously. Right? I mean, that would be like Absolutely. a huge weight. No, your God has blessed you. Oh, okay. We're not, you well, know. How, how, 
How <laughs> how do you know when God blesses you today? How do you know? How do I know when mm-hmm. God blesses me today? I mean, I so that's a that's an interesting question, and I think it's more complicated than we usually give it credit for. Now, James will say every good gift is from above, from our Father of heaven and lights, in whom there is no shifting shadow. So anything that is good, I do attribute to the Father. Okay. Of course, I look at it. I look at it if it's good from the Father to the blessing. I think where my struggle has come in is we don't look. There are certain things that are good right? Mm-hmm. Trials are good. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to look at it that way. Persecution, persecution in of itself for the name of Christ is not good, but Christ says you are blessed in the Sermon on the Mount when you are persecuted for my name. Mm-hmm. You know, he says you are blessed. There are all those blessings. Listen, we just had that summer series on that. And it really challenged the way I look at blessings. I think there are some things in my life that I would look at Joseph's imprisonment. You know, was that a good thing? Mm-hmm. Well, the imprisonment and the trial in and of itself is not good, but the outcome and what he's, what God is doing through it is good. And so I think it, all I'm saying is it's more nuanced. Well, I think, I think when, and the reason I ask, when, when we start to see the evidence and we start to see things working, because there's, you can, when you, when you get in the middle of a crisis and you start trying to, you, you, we do the helter skelter stuff that we're doing and nothing's working. And then you start to see it working. You start to see the calmness. You start to see your family start to work. You see, start to see that thing unfolding. You know that God's got his hands on it. You know, you know that, that God has showed up and God's got his hands on it and God is working his magic on it. Our realization when he shows. I mean, yeah. he's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. But that's how, when, that's how we right. notice it, that God showed up. And, and here, you know, they, they know that the, the life has gotten calm all of a sudden because this steward said, oh, no, 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 no. No, we knew about that. God's blessed you. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, man, isn't that awesome? Well, they just now knew that God showed up. That God told them. But now they've experienced all the arguments they had with their father and all that stuff and then bringing Benjamin. Now there's relief that Benjamin, you know, for Reuben, I mean, for Judah, that he's not going to have to have to take responsibility for the rest of his life. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Verse 26, when Joseph came home, they presented him to the they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. Wow, just like that dream. He mm-hmm. asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one who you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. So I'm going to pause it right here for a second. Um, We're going to be in the book of Exodus before too long. Mm -hmm. And... This is an interesting statement, right? They served him by himself. The brother, there's like this protocol for how Egyptians deal, deal with Hebrews. So when, it, when we come to looking at whether these books are historical or not, whether these books are reliable or not, these, these things are reliable, one of the things, of course, we want to look at is these things didn't happen in a closet. There should be evidence of it in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So this whole dynamic the fact that this the text reads this way that there's a protocol for hebrews and egyptian there were p- 
people from that area, <coughs> we have historical record of people from that area coming down and conquering parts of Egypt and becoming part of those dynasties. And so we know that ha when that happened about, and so people argue about when the book of Exodus occurred, when when does this happen with Joseph? Notice that Joseph is put in charge of a lot of stuff. He's He becomes like a ruler in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, right? Mm -hmm. So there should be record of all these things. And what we have found is, these stories, this this story here with Joseph and the Exodus itself, fit in to what we understand of the historical record in Egypt in two different places. There's a lot of evidence. It could go here or it could go here. And there is a large debate about whether the events that event that are in a probably in a couple of generations that are going to happen with Moses, whether they happened here or here. And so it's really interesting. The Locale. argument. You're, right. Whether Locale. Yeah, whether where they happened. The, okay. the question isn't whether they happened. The question is when they happened. Okay. We this stuff is absolutely historical, and it's because of stuff like this that we know it is. So, what I'm pointing out is there's a lot of evidence to support this narrative. See, we know most most Bible students would not know that. They would not know because they haven't studied like you have, where they've studied the his, historical evidences of it. You know, where they look at it that way. You know, the, I, I I didn't even know that. that yeah, there that and there there are a couple of places. I haven't pointed it out every time we've pro we've uh, passed it. Well, you know, I think I did point it out the last time when Abraham was negotiating for the land, mm -hmm. the plot to bury mm -hmm. Sarah, mm -hmm. and that whole ritual they had where you know he says, "Oh, you know, that's just historical. give it to me." That's historical. That's actually how they negotiated things, and we know that. We know that there's record of that. These people had right. They, these people wrote, they wrote things down. They wrote down, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have found that like that. So there is a lot of these things where if this occurred when it occurred, <coughs> this is what we should see, and this is what we should see, and this is what, and that's exactly what we find in the text. It matches up with what we understand okay. of the cultures Good. of the day. That's that's helpful. So in verse uh, 33, the men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at it, looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. I mean, of course they did, because this is a huge relief to them. They thought they were going to come down here, and they <coughs> thought they were going to have to contend and struggle. And, you know, they're coming up to the dude's house, and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, they're totally freaked. And so they're like, oh, no, no, here's the money, here's the money. Don't, you know, don't. Mm -hmm. There's so much authority there. You know what's what's neat about this chapter is that that it just points out how for us I think and I think we've tried to we try to camp on that that uh, that God God's going to show up God's going to fix the problems we we get we get all in tither and we make bad choices and we make mistakes you know we've talked about Jacob and about Israel and we've talked about him at length and you know what but but you know he's he's typical of all of us he is we're just like him yep you know we make bad choices we we uh idolize some children and don't idolize others and we and we cause conflict in, in families we do stuff that we shouldn't do right and god loves us anyway that's right grace is an amazing thing the gospel is an amazing thing you know it's a it a it it's it has its origins in the death burial and resurrection but it's so much more than that the good news the good news that god is is bringing about for us in our lives it's amazing man and we're just scratching the surface. We're only in the first book. Yeah. We got a lot of books left to go. I mean, when, and we're going through and on the Sunday and Sunday, we're moving through the Gospel of Mark, and it's so easy to get fixated on the death, burial, and rest because there's so much good there. That's, I mean, that is the 
the crowning achievement, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is Christ's coronation mm-hmm. as he as he receives the crown and sits on the throne. I mean, it's through the cross. But part it's of the good the news is, is his whole life before Absolutely. and our lives afterwards. His rule and his reign, his authority, his authority over situations like this. He told us when he left, he said in Matthew 28, he said, and you do this stuff and I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That means he is reigning That's and right. ruling right now. I've been given all authority under heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Ephesians chapter 1 says that all things have been placed under his feet. Colossians says the same thing. Yeah. All things work to his glory and his good. Yeah, I mean, so that is the gospel. That's the good That's good news. I mean, we've got a king that cannot be defeated. That's right. Can't. That's right. And we get to serve under a king that can't be defeated. And and we can we get to come to him through our obedience to the gospel, to the death, burial, and resurrection. But, you know, I get to live for him. That's I right. get to do this. I get to talk to you guys. You know, this is part of the gospel. This is part of the good news that I get to I get to share with you. We get to share with you details of our lives and details of other people's lives, and we get to share, you know, scriptures and, and historical stuff to help you more more easily navigate through the book. That's that's a, it's amazing. To help you grow into Christ. Help you grow in Christ. And walk and follow him. And be underneath his authority and his rule. That's right. That's the kingdom. That's the church. That's the that's the good news. It's all encompassing. That's right. All encompassing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to, to do this this evening. We pray your blessings upon all of our all of our students and all the folks that have watched and and folks that will comment and and th- folks that are that are going to walk away from this and and question and wonder. And I pray for all of them. I pray that you'd help us continue to to go forward as we and study together. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Father, for the preservation of of your word so that we have it that we can look at and we can learn from, we can grow. And it can, has the power to change us. And thank you, Father, for all of that. Bless us as we move forward. And thank you again, Father, for loving us. And thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray.